Blog Talk Radio. special edition of the Four Scenes Fire American Soccer Show. We are here to review the second round of the 2023 Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. And you have to say that this second round was filled with fireworks, excitement, and something amazing I don't think we have ever seen in recent Open Cup tournaments where Almost every, well, actually, I should say this. Every single match, with the exception of one that will be played tomorrow night, but every exception, all the games at this point in time in the second round, not a single one went towards the penalty kick shootout. None of them. Bull, you thought, oh, well, we're going to a shootout, and then bang. Stoppage time goal in extra time, and it ends it right there. Sure, blowouts. Sure, one goal winners. Sure, tied at one. Goal scored in the first half of extra time. And how about a banger of a match? Unfortunately, we couldn't watch it. The nine-goal fun between... Sacramento Republic and Crossfire Premier. That one was unbelievable. I could not believe what was happening in that one. I mean, to me, that is probably one of the better games we've probably had, sadly, without a stream on it. And later on in the show, I'll get to that uh, when we're able to get that opportunity. But right now, I just want to Stick to what we witnessed here. What we witnessed in this second round out of all of these matches played, you saw amazing plays, amazing goals, and you just thought it would be over just like that, but then all of a sudden here comes an equalizer. Then you're moving extra time, and you're thinking, oh, my God, we're going to go to penalties now. Then all of a sudden, it's a game winner. Everything was going according to plan until those moments happened. And this is why you love Open Cup. This is the type of football that you all know that you all love when everything is on the line that your club or that opposition or if you're a neutral and you want to see a damn good game you know very well what is going to happen what needs to happen and why you're going to get the best soccer that is going to be out there 
for that moment because you want to move on to the next round because you want to continue on in this competition because you want to see those teams go out and do their best to make a run to reach that level to when you are going to play the big boys on the professional level. And of course, what's their next dream? Taking on an MLS club. The highest of highs. And that's what we're looking at. That's what we're hoping for. That is what we want. And that is what you get. And when you're watching these streams and you have your TVs through the YouTube app or you go on your computers and you can put three, four, five games in a row at once to see what's going on, you have your laptop next to you, you put it a, a game or two on there, you get your web-enabled devices, you get your phones, you go to your YouTube app on your phone, and you get a game on there. There is no doubt in my mind that what you are seeing are these clubs that are going for it, they're fighting for it, they want to prove they are better than their opposition no matter what level they are in. Lower levels in the professional rankings, the amateurs giving hell to those top professional sides. And when you are watching these games, when you are looking at these games, it is just unbelievable what type of action that we're getting, that we're seeing. They go out there and they do the dirty work. They go out and do the dirty work and it's just a fun time for all of us to watch and enjoy what's in front of us. Let me say this right now, and I'll go to a specific match. You have brand new one Knoxville SC making the move up from the USL League 2 amateur status, National League status to USL League 1. For the first time, taking on their Tennessee brethren, Memphis, 901 FC. And you're thinking Memphis has this all the way. There's already a 1-0 lead, I should say, by Borzak. Next thing you know, Ilaj Ilik gets the penalty to convert it. And it's 1-1. And then afterwards, it's nothing. There's nothing going on. They're going into extra time. Think to yourself, all right, it looks like we're going to get a penalty kick shootout, and then bam! Out of nowhere, 
Jeremy Kelly for Memphis 901 FC in second half stoppage time of extra time buries at the death the game winner to knock out one Knoxville SC Memphis 901 moves on to the third round it was unbelievable it was amazing to see and it was fun to see you enjoyed that stuff that's what FA Cup Open Cup competition does that is what they do for you that my friends is what we've all been waiting for and when they deliver it to you as quickly as possible on a silver then all you can say is this That was probably one of the best matches you have ever seen in Open Cup play, period. It was amazing. It was unreal. It was probably something to see that you never expected it to see. And what you got What you got was an open cup thriller in the second round like you never thought you saw it before. If we're going to count all these matches that were won in extra time, I mean, it's just amazing to see what we were able to see. And... You gotta say that if you want more of this, all you have to do is follow so many people who follow the Open Cup. We had, by my count, up to this point, nine matches that were won in extra time. I would say two or three of them, actually two of them, at the death inside second half stoppage time. Actually, three of them at the death. No, actually more like second half. Two, actually, no, two, uh, two of them in, at the death in second half stoppage time. That it was one. That is crazy. Because we all thought this thing was, you know, we're going to go to penalty kicks on some of these games. Not so. Not so. And now we have a new theme. Even though it does continue on that a winner that does go down to 10 men on a double yellow card into red, that has continued in this one. And that was in the match between Miami FC against Jacksonville Armada's under-23 team. And for Jacksonville Armada, this is the craziest one because two players earned double yellow and were sent off 
even though Miami AC is the winner, Curtis Curtis Thorne got yellow in the 30th, second yellow in the 50th, and then a red. Off he went. Miami FC wins down 10 men as Jacksonville Armada loses down 9. Yellow cards flying all over the place. Ejections flying all over the place. This, my friends, is why you love the Open Cup, and this is why I love the Open Cup, and this is why we are excited. When we get to these games, it is a shame that sometimes... We're not able to catch these games live or if a stream's not available. And as I said already, we're going to get to that later on in the show. But I just wanted to let everyone know. Whatever we were seeing, watching, absolutely brilliant stuff. And just remember, for the next round at the end of April... On the 25th and the 26th, when we get there, more excitement is coming and more fun is coming as well. Because this is why we love seeing these teams battling to be in the Open Cup. It's a fun, loving tournament. It's knockout football, knockout competition. It is so worth it, so worth it to watch and enjoy. Not just to see your teams in it, but watching these other teams perform in it. It just gives me pleasure to enjoy what we're seeing and enjoying what we're watching. And that's the name of the game. Who will be our national champion in American soccer in the 2023 Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup? Ladies and gentlemen, I've got a great show for you tonight. Joining me tonight right now, the head coach, of the Maryland Bobcats, an amazing match back and forth against Ocean City Nor'easters, and it's his side that moves on to the third round. He is the head coach of that club, Alex Koa. Alex, good evening. Welcome to the show, and congratulations on your advancement to the third round. Uh, Good evening, good evening. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Well, thank you, Tation, and being on the show tonight. I, I do have to say, um, it, it doesn't get any better when it gets to any FA Cup competition, knockout football competition, to see who is going to rise to the top, get to the top of that mountain. And at this point in time, it is your Maryland Bobcats that have made that fantastic move. How difficult were Ocean City for you, and what type of battle did they give you that night? 
Absolutely. Um, Open Cup games or Cup games in general are special, special matches. Uh, so you can't approach them as uh, league games because you don't you don't get it to have a second chance uh, that year. Um, so for us, it was uh, it was very important to mentally come out, uh, be prepared for a fight. Uh, we knew that they were a good side uh, that that was well coached, very very well coached. Uh, the coach Matt really had them prepare. Um, you know. Obviously, they scouted us. Uh, they knew where our strength was, and uh, of course, we did the same thing as well uh, going into that game. So again, just just like I say, cup games are it's one and done, right? So if you come out with the the wrong mentality, it doesn't matter if you have the perfect game plan. Uh, the mentality of that night it's usually what gets you through. Um, so. We're very happy. Uh, we were the team that moved on, but it was uh, it was a battle, you know, throughout the entire game. They scored first, um, well deserved goal, um, you know, uh, against a little bit the run of the the match, and then uh, both teams got uh, to ten men, uh, you know, uh, for the rest of the game, and I think from there we were try to make our way back into the game. Um, but they were very well settled defensively. Uh, again, just like I said, very well coached. Uh, after that first goal in the second half, I thought we had the upper hand uh, coming back, scored that second goal. And then, again, because it's a cup game, right, uh, they, they kept fighting, they kept pushing through, and they got the equalizer a couple minutes before uh, regulation time ends. And uh, and then, yeah, I took it to overtime. And then, again, uh, you know, we made a sub with a young Philip, uh, 18-year-old uh, defender. Uh, we worked on uh, the set pieces uh, the, the, the day before. We knew that there was a, a part of their game where there was a little bit weak, and we could have taken advantage on that, but we weren't able to do so through the whole game. But, you know, 100-plus um, minutes, it was the perfect time to just kind of catch uh, defenders off guard. So, very happy uh, we were successful there, but very unlucky for them because they had a very, very perfect, perfect executed plan against us. Um, much respect to that team. Absolutely. You know, I have to tell you, um, when you went down to 10 men with Forka's straight red card, unfortunately, um, still, though, they were also down a man themselves as uh, Caleb Jackson, which was probably the weirdest situation I've ever seen in my life. I've never seen any team, uh, that same player gets booked in the 15th, scores first in the 22nd, then gets his second yellow into red into the 38th minute before your man gets sent off in the 39th. Uh, and both sides are down 10 men. But what do you say as a, as a head coach to your players that you're down a man, even though you're still even, you're you're down a man. What what do you tell your players to prepare for that second half to fight hard and move forward? Yeah, of course you have to earn the right to play. Uh, it's as simple as that. You you must earn the right to play. It doesn't matter against who you're playing. It's a cup game. Uh, you know they're they want to advance as much as we do want to advance and. Uh, it's the team that wanted the most that will, right? It, it's not necessarily the most gifted team that went usually. And and most importantly, not cheat the game. I think we, uh, that first half, we were very slow in transition and, and we didn't give our best effort as a team 
um, you know, um, perhaps because we thought we were superior than the opposition. But we find out pretty quickly that if we weren't turning on the the, the gears, we would have, you know, uh, not moved through. So, you know, just uh, fight through it, you know, um, not cheat the game, meaning put our best foot out there in transition, put our best foot out there in possession. And, uh, and yeah, just keep fighting because those are the type of games that build character throughout the whole season. Very, very true. And uh, talk about uh, your man in Darwin, Espinal. Uh, you know, he seems to be a special player for the Bobcats. And uh, what has he done for this club so far in this player? Has he just recently been joining with the team? What do you know of Espinal and uh, what he's done for the Bobcats? Uh, Darwin has been an, an amazing piece uh, uh, that we added to the club last year. Um, you know, just uh, talent-wise, is it, just, I think, uh, next level, I think he should be higher up in leagues. But we're just very fortunate that he decided to be home and, and play with the Bobcats. Uh, you know, uh, from minutes one that he joined the club, he just brought in a lot of intensity and, and standards in the training ground in terms of, how he demanded from his teammates, how he demanded from himself to be always at the peak of his performance, but also bringing guys uh, along with him, you know, in the, in, the, in the training ground especially, which is where a lot of people don't see. People see the, the weekend, uh, him coming, uh, taking players on or scoring goals, making assists, but really what you have to look at is, the, is how he trains. You know, it's, it's constantly a high standard down training ground and, it, it's uh, it's not a surprise that he's been performing at the level he has been doing for the club. And I think this year we're going to see even a better side of him with more goals and more assists, uh, in my opinion. That's fantastic. Now, you're up 2-1 at this point. You're getting into second-half stoppage time. I mean, I think you felt, as well as many others felt, this was game, set, and match. You're going to move on to the next round. And then out of nowhere, Ocean City just deflates the pitch and scores that equalizer to make it 2-2. Another tough moment for the Bobcats. When you get to the end of regulation and you get your players together, what are you telling them to be ready for extra time? And how do you handle your emotions as well? Yeah, that's a, that's a very good question. Um, emotions are high, of course, but uh, as, as as a coach and or even as a player at the high level, you constantly have to be in the next, what's next, right? Uh, good thing happening, great, what's next? Bad thing happening, great, what's next, right? So really the speech there was uh, to, to quickly refocus on what's next, right? If we are the better team and, and we knew we were, we had to go out there and prove it, and we still had the opportunity to show that uh, with 30 minutes left to play, right? And from that moment, it's the toughest team mentally that, that, will, that will keep pushing, that will have the chance. And um, on the motivational side, it's really just tell them we are going to get a chance or two. Uh, we need to capitalize on those very early. Um, you know, I think we had uh, three total in that, in that extra time, and the third one was the corner kick, I would say, and that turned out to be a goal. So, yeah, it worked out really well in our favor, but that, you know, uh, that end of time, end of regulation, 
uh, speeches more so we have to quickly get ourselves back into um, into into the game emotionally. You know, uh, we have to, you know, have a short-term memory in terms of what just have happened and, and we focus in the, in the game ahead of us. Mm-hmm. And, of course, uh, jubilation at the end of stoppage time in the second half of extra time because what Ocean City did to you, you did it to them, but at the death. <laughs> yeah. And Philip Brown, yeah. um, I'm watching that stream, and all of a sudden there's Philip, and then bang, I couldn't believe what I saw, and I went completely nuts when I saw him convert that match winner. What, I mean, what is it about Philip Brown that he comes up big for you in these clutch moments? Yeah, again, this is a, this is a kid that we saw through our, our system, throughout the youth and the reserve. This is a kid that we, we gave a chance to last year to be involved with the first team. He's only 18. He just finished high school not too long ago. So, again, we're talking about a kid that already has some Nita experience a little bit last year. Um, and, and actually, for the fun fact, uh, when Ocean City was up, I mean, when we were up uh, 2-1 with um, 10 minutes left, it was a it was a massive decision that we had to take as a staff to to bring Philip on, and um, uh, you know, uh, we just decided with the leaders on the field that you know it was maybe best to to not do that sub, and um, and then yeah, I should have followed my gut because I felt that he would have come off clutch. Um, you know, in the last minute of the game, maybe with a defensive play, a defensive tackle, and whatnot. But uh turned out that, you know, I, I, I had to follow my feelings and my, my gut as as a coach. And, and, and also, you know, uh, the kid's been training well. He's been uh, always, uh, always, always responding well when he was called up to, to play any minutes. So just trusting him, you know, and, and just giving him the confidence to go out there and give his best to the team. And, again, I guess it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a great thing for him that he gets to score the winning goal because it doesn't get any better than that, right? It, it, it's one game that he will remember probably for the rest of his life, for sure. Yep, very, very true. And, you know, once again, just absolutely fun stuff to watch to see what your team can do. And, uh just great, great football to watch all the way around. Um, you're going to the third round. You'll be facing the Pittsburgh Riverhounds, and you will be on the road over at Highmark Stadium. Now, I have to ask you this question because I don't think this has ever happened. Uh, they were supposed to play a club uh, in round two. Unfortunately, that club has not only um, removed themselves from the club, they've removed themselves from existence. So you're going to be facing a team that has not had a single minute of uh, overcup games. Do you feel that's an advantage for you or a disadvantage? Um, it could it could be seen either either way. Uh, to be honest, again, we're facing a, a team that has a, a um, first of all that is one of the best teams in USL, right? So that's the first for the record. So we're not going against uh, the low table in USL. We're going against the best in USL championship, uh, arguably, right? Team that is constantly fighting for uh, playoffs and championships uh, and whatnot. So <clears throat> that's what we're going against. So they have a roster that is deep, that is ready to compete, right, in, in cup games as well. So I don't, 
I don't see them not playing as to being a disadvantage. Uh, I think that whole club, that whole squad is being um, active game-wise a lot longer than we have. Again, we only have played two competitive games, which is Flower City and uh, Ocean City, right? So I think there should be at five games already. Um, even, you know, by the time they always start, they will be way past that. So, no, I don't think it, uh, it's a disadvantage for them. I think they actually, you know, they got one game out of their way without them actually performing in that game, which I think helped them, um, you know, in terms of uh, recovery, injuries, and other things like that because it, it accumulates, you know, the more games you play, you know, it accumulates over time for these players in the roster, right? Um, so, no, I, I we wouldn't factor that in as something that will play no advantage. I think we're going out there with the mindset of, of really trying to compete and, and and show that we belong as well to that round, and, 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 you know, we want to earn our way to the next round for sure. Absolutely. And that is head coach Alex Kale of the Maryland Bobcats. Thank you for joining me tonight. Congratulations once again uh, with your Open Cup victory, and good luck in the third round against the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. Absolutely, Daniel. Thanks for having me, and uh, thank you so much. It's a great show. Thank you very much. Yes, hopefully so. Have a good night. Thank you. Once again, Alex Ko, head coach of the Maryland Bobcats in National Independent Soccer Association. That was a heck of a match, and obviously we'll hope for more on the way. My next guest tonight, she is the uh, television analyst, for San Antonio FC, you can watch it uh, on ESPN+. Plus. You can also watch her locally, I believe, on the Bally Sports Network. This is Katie Goodman joining me tonight on a fun night of Open Cup action. Katie, good evening, and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. <laughs> How's it well, going? Thank you for taking the invitation. Very good. Thank you very much. Thank you for taking the invitation. Um Excellent match for San Antonio. Uh, obviously, first things first, we got to give credit to Club De Leon. So many players cup-tied, not a full roster out there. They gave San Antonio a match, but once again, uh, San Antonio FC, the defending USL championship winners, uh, coming out big and advancing to the next round. Yeah, that's right. But what's interesting is that it wasn't the typical roster lineup at all for SAFC. It was completely fully academy players, except for the keeper who was the uh, the backup keeper for first team, Carlos Marcalo, who did a great job. I mean, his presence, I think, really kept them in the game. But uh, it was just really crazy to me that, you know, this organization – could put their trust in these young players to make it through for them to the U.S. Open Cup. And this is a, a cumulative age of, you know, 16, 17, 18, one kid, 15. Um, so going up against the guys in their, you know, early to mid-20s. But again, as you'd mentioned, really short on the roster and only their first year um, playing professional as well uh, for Club De Leon. They were originally semi-pro. And uh, I, I had some time as a semi-professional soccer player as well. And, and I can tell you that budget is tight at the semi-pro level. And so it didn't surprise me at all knowing that they just barely made it into pro. There are so many things that go on behind the scenes to, to take a club up to the next level and uh, so many costs associated with that. And, 
And not only that, but a lot of those players, when you're playing uh, semi-professional soccer, you're not getting paid uh, like a lot of professional players are, right? So um, it wouldn't surprise me if maybe those are some of the things going on behind the scenes, which might explain a shorter roster. But, um, yeah, no, they they fought to the very end. They they had guys cramping left and right. Um, San Antonio was quite feisty. So it was it was a very chippy match, let's just say that. You would know more than I would, obviously, but, you know, we always tout these academies in Major League Soccer. Obviously, FC Dallas is always talked about. The New York Red Bulls are always talked about. We don't really hear much with the USL championship teams and their academies. What, what has San Antonio done that now we're seeing the fruits of their labor really growing in this Open Cup match to give these kids that opportunity to be in the big-time spotlight? Yeah, well, this is a product of about, you know, 10 to 12 years of work. These, there's a, only maybe three or maybe four or five kids who were kind of the pioneers of the program, so to speak, and other guys got added along the way. Some some kids come in over from Tampa or California or um, other soccer hotspots to, to help out, but still have spent many, many years here in San Antonio. It's huge because in Texas, yeah, when people talk about soccer, they're thinking Dallas, they're thinking Houston, Austin. Rarely does San Antonio come up. And, and I'm born and raised from San Antonio and um, went on to play soccer elsewhere. And it's just a rarity to have kids move out of San Antonio and, and go on to do big things. But now that San Antonio FC has built this really solid foundation, it has made it almost a thing of the past. I mean, there's a lot of – kids uh, in that very team that you saw playing that USL or the US Open Cup uh, that are going to big colleges like um, uh, San Diego is one um, and just I don't know I, I just think it's it's really important uh, what they're doing and you know they are even a hub for people for the kids maybe who weren't able to get in at you know the Houston Dynamo Academy or the Austin FC Academy there's a couple of kids that their whole their families moved their entire lives just so their kids could play soccer um, at a competitive level. And, and I've seen it, you know, I've, I've done quite a few player interviews where, you know, there's a guy he's playing in the MLS, but he started in a USL championship um, Academy or uh, vice versa. You know, they started in the MLS Academy and end up in USL and then back over to MLS. It's just a bunch of, you know, they're both feeder leagues. So um, yeah, yeah, no, it's, I'm, I'm just happy for San Antonio that we finally have something like that. And we're starting to see, um, you know, the fruition of our labor, so to speak. What type of job has Alan Marcina done with the San Antonio side? I mean, look, I remember him back when he was managing the San Antonio Scorpions of the old NASL league and now and brought them a championship He's back with San Antonio last year for your USL championship. But for him to manage younger players, academy players, that has to really be now. Uh, it's not just a notch in the belt, but a feather in the cap for what he's been able to do with professionals and with your academy players. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, he is a next-level coach. I'm convinced that he can probably go to any program and make it great. And I think that's because of his ability to recruit. And, I, and because he has a really strong ability to recruit, he can also see the talent in these younger kids coming up and what they're capable of doing. 
because um, if you look at San Antonio FC, they've been deep for like two to three years now, their roster has. And, you know, last season alone, 32 different lineup combinations, and they were still, you know, best in the league. So I think that just says something about him and his ability to recruit and then implement. And if you looked at the way the academy team approached Club de Leon, it was the same way as the first team, that high-press, direct style, chippy, physical, relentless. Um, so they, they definitely embodied that that entire um, system. And that's the thing is, is he really gets people to buy into the system. But he also has some, a really quality staff. You know, he has uh, multiple academy coaches there on staff for first team that are also, uh, you know, coaching academy. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, it's just depth beyond depth beyond depth. It really, really is. Um, obviously, let's get into the match, and uh, they were down 1-0 from a Kevin Hernandez goal in the 67th minute by Club De Leon. But then Dave Augustin co- uh, comes out of nowhere and gets that big equalizer in the 79th minute. What is about him that gives San Antonio high hopes for their future? Well, the really cool thing about Dane Augustine is that he actually came from Hawaii and then um, moved to San Antonio when he was really young, didn't make the academy at first. And then he came back six months later and then made the academy. And so, you know, Coach um, was telling me how it's really that mentality is what kept him on the team and the reason that he's progressed in the way that he has. So he's just completely and fully embodied that mentality monster mindset that, you know, you hear a lot from the, the first team and, you know, the way he was able to get that goal. Again, every player on that field you could tell was giving their best. They left it on the field. It was all heart, all passion. But for Dane Augustine, he came in with a late run, and um, we had been watching it. And, of course, it's easier from, you know, when you're perched up top up high and you can see the full field. You know, uh, they were struggling with those, those late runs to fill the space, and the ball would go through the top of the 18 a couple of times, and he just picked up on it. And um, and ran in and just got on the end of it just in time. And, and it was great. It was just perfect placement on a one-touch volley. So uh, just really good stuff from him. So we're saying is he's the next Brian Ching? <laughs> hey, I'm not saying he's not. You can't say he's not. But, um, yeah, no, it, good, good stuff from him. In fact, he was uh, a little bit out of position there uh, when he came in to finish that. So, yeah, I think it's just – and that's another thing that you even see on the first team is um, San Antonio, they don't stay stationary or stuck. They rotate, and that's one of my favorite things to see in soccer because I see it a lot in American soccer where, you know, um, players just stagnate. They kind of stick to their position. They make the same kind of runs. But, you know, at any given time, you might have a center back up top or you might have – um, you know, a winger playing defense or, you know, an outside backup, you know, trying to score a goal. So, and it's because everyone on the team can score. And I think they coach from that type of mentality that it doesn't matter what position you're in, like, Hey, know your role, but also know when you have to step up and be creative and, you know, improvise. And I think that's what they did really well. No, he really, really did. And of course the match moves into extra time and then a penalty gets called in the first half of extra time. And as cool as you like, Roman Holt converts that penalty to give San Antonio FC that 2-1 lead and eventually the victory. I have to say, 
too many young, fresh faces on this team, and I couldn't believe uh, the smile he had. I'm thinking to myself, Where, why there's no facial hair on this kid? What happened? <laughs> but other than that, great, yeah. just great penalty for him to take. He was cool as a cucumber, and he walked up there, and he had a big smile, and in my first thought was like, uh-oh, I hope that's not a nervous smile. I'm hoping that's a confidence smile. And it turns out it was pure confidence because he just – Kept it easy, kept it chill, you know, lower right 90 and or left 90, excuse me. But he, uh, yeah, it's so easy to just get the nerves, especially in that setting when everyone's watching, when everything's on the line and, and to, you know, shank it above the bar or something or just right into the keeper's hands. But he just did the basics and stayed calm. And, yeah, that's all you can ask. And he's one of those kids uh, who's going to go to University of San Diego. He is uh, the captain for the – the younger uh, for the academy team, but both him and Dacia Osuna, they both went up onto the first team roster this last game against Sacramento Republic and were, were there on the bench. Didn't get to see any time, but I think it says a lot about their ability that San Antonio would be willing to trust them in, in the USL championship setting if need be. Absolutely. Um, I guess at the end of the match, um, was it Marcina who was talking or was it him and the academy coach? Because, I mean, I know Marcina's running the club as a whole, but still, though, as you said, the, it's the academy coaches that knows what's going on, even though Marcina does keep tabs on the situation. Yes, it was, um, it was the academy coaches mostly. But, well, Marcina was coaching the Club de Leon game. He was out there coaching um, – giving the refs just as much hell as he would in the USL championship game, which was great to see. It was thoroughly entertaining. Um, but, yeah, no, always the academy coaches nearby. Um, and the academy coaches um, also are the keeper coaches too. And they're just, you know, have an incredible IQ. Oscar Munoz is one of the coaches who actually coached me when I was a little kid from elementary school to middle school and has been – a part of their academy for, I mean, I think eight or nine years. Um, and he's always there on the sideline. And um, I think it's that cumulative effort, that IQ, that having multiple eyes on the field and watching, you know, what's happening all the time is, is the way that they're able to make adjustments so well and so easily, whether it be a hydration break or at a halftime. I see it every time. All they need is a couple words with coach and, and you see the change. Absolutely, and what a great moment it is for those kids. And uh, it's just amazing to see such a big turnaround going from the uh, the senior side players going to the giving them the night off and letting those academy kids run the table and just just did so brilliantly. Um, San Antonio will be going on the road in the third round of the Open Cup. They'll be visiting MLS side Nashville SC at Geodis Park uh, in downtown Nashville. What worries you about this match, or what gives you confidence that San Antonio FC is going to pull off a big cup set here and maybe move on to that fourth-round moment? Yeah, well, they did it with Austin FC last season. Um, that was one game to remember. I mean, I think the the two games I will never forget are, are that last final where they won the, the USL championship and then also the Austin FC game because – you know, there's a very special rivalry between San Antonio and Austin. You know, Austin got the MLS team. Everyone here thought San Antonio should have gotten the MLS team. So there's 
a very strong dislike for the the lack up there up north. But uh, it's kind of the same for Houston, um, excuse me, for like Houston and Texas and, and everywhere else. But when it comes to Nashville, my goodness, they are such a consistent team. They, um, you know, I, I followed them a little bit last season. They've been doing okay this season. Um, and I think with Austin, since even the last time that San Antonio FC played them, they have not quite gotten their back line correct, you know, and we're seeing that now in the MLS. And so I think San Antonio mm-hmm. was able to really capitalize on that. Now I think it's going to be best for San Antonio if um, Nashville SC, you know, underestimates them a little bit, but you really can't underestimate them at all because they will take full advantage and a lot of teams can't handle their high press. But if anyone can, it could be Nashville. So I don't know. It's, it's going to be a tough one. I don't even want to, I don't even want to bet or guess just because San Antonio brings something a little different that a lot of other teams aren't used to. And it's, it's that chippy nature. It's um, that high press mentality, the relentlessness that a lot of teams just can't keep up with. Um, and that direct style of play just kind of really, they're just really solid at breaking through seams down through the middle of the field. And not a lot of teams can do that. Um, solid one touch control and passes. Uh, so I don't know, but I, I think if San Antonio can show up and do something big against Nashville, that it would really make, even more of a case uh, for them as a team and the league they're in and, and all of that. Absolutely. Well, listen, Katie, thank you so much for your time. I truly appreciate you coming on to talk about San Antonio FC. Good luck to them in your USL championship season and good luck to them in the fourth, excuse me, the third round. I can't push them that far ahead. I can't do that yet. Uh, But good luck to them in the third round in the open cup and hope to have you on again soon. Yeah, well, thank you for having me, and good luck out there. (laughs) Thank you very much. Once again, it's Katie Goodman. She's the analyst on television for San Antonio FC on the ESPN Plus, as well as the Valley Sports Network in the Texas area, and that is just uh, amazing stuff to see what we have seen uh, in this Open Cup second-round review. Now, let me get to uh, a situation that everyone has been complaining about, and rightfully so, rightfully so, because of the situation that we're seeing with the streaming department in this edition of the U.S. Open Cup. Now, obviously, as we all know, ESPN streamed every single match of every single round of the 2020 uh, um excuse me, 2018-2019 U.S. Open Cup and 2022. And very happy for them to do that. They did a great job. Seeing these streams being taken care of for this edition through Turner Sports, Warner Brothers, um, due to the fact that learning through my friends at the cup.us if you follow their twitter handle us open cup at us open cup it is was not espn that did all the financial work for the streaming and right now it's not even turner that's doing all the financial work for all the streaming it is done by the us soccer federation 
And because of the pandemic that hits, apparently their budget is not where it should be. So all I can say is that we do have a problem. And, you know, I understand if there are financial issues coming through through, from U.S. soccer due to the pandemic that this is not going to, that this is not happening all the way. It's a shame while it does sound like there are people that work inside U.S. soccer that truly does want to make this competition important and stand out and be a part of it. You know, I give them credit for trying to get all these things happen for the Open Cup. The problem is, as always has been, it's the final decision makers at the boardroom level. Do they want to care about the Open Cup the way we do? And the way that the people who are in the Open Cup department, they care as well. Because what we want is this game to grow. Open Cup is part of it. This cup competition is important to all of us that follow the game in this country. All of us truly want to have this Open Cup competition become very important. And it is up to them to show us why it really matters. I think it's time, and, you know, when I'm, when I'm saying this, you know, I don't really want to belittle the Federation. I'm trying not to, to be honest with you. I want them to understand that these, these complaints are legitimate. We have a legitimate gripe about how this competition is being managed. But now it's time to get a title sponsor for this cup competition. In fact, I think it's time to have a couple of other sponsors getting involved with this Open Cup competition. Because... And I know they're going to hate it when I'm going to say it, but the truth is this is the reality of the situation. Every time we watch on ESPN Plus or through YouTube, the FA Cup draw shows. What is being shown besides the big pot dumping the little numbered balls inside so that we can swirl them around, grab one by one, to select the matchups. We're seeing the logos of the FA Cup tournament, of Nike, of Emirates Airlines, Budweiser, what other advertisers are putting their money into the FA Cup in England. Time U.S. Soccer does this. I think it's time whoever advertises on U.S. soccer 
And at the same time, Nike as the kit sponsors or who creates the kits for the men's and women's national teams, I think it's time for them to pony up some extra money as well. They are making a killing on apparel because they are the official apparel of the U.S. men's and women's national teams and all over U.S. soccer. I think it's time for U.S. soccer to start going to their sponsors that support them and say, guys, we thank you for your support. You've seen what people are doing for this Open Cup competition. You're seeing what our staff is doing for this Open Cup competition. I think it's time for you to go and support our Open Cup. I, you know, I think it's time that we get a little bit more money to help us sponsor and advertise done so far. They have done more in the promotion department than ESPN or Gold TV or Fox Sports has ever done. And this is basically starting the second round of the Open Cup. Not the final, not the semifinals, not the quarterfinals, but in the second round and with them broadcasting the USA-Mexico friendly on the 19th, I expect them to again advertise the Open Cup for the third round that will be coming on the 25th and the 26th. I'm waiting for that. They brought the Dewar tro- excuse me, the Lamar Hunt Trophy next to them in the Nations League match during postgame in Orlando. They brought the cup to the pitch side desk. All I can say is this is that there are some good things going on here that I'm happy to see. We still have some bad. That bad can be corrected. And as always, I'm giving you a soccer the chance to correct those problems. Because I want them to be successful. We all want them to be successful. But if it's going to be as is, well then, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. It's just a waste of time for no reason. And somebody's got to put their foot down and tell the, the board, it's time we do something about this. And it's time we do something about it now. And let me also say this with Turner Sports. You put no money into helping with the broadcasting of these games. Maybe it's time for you to put some more money into this deal. You're making plenty of money during the NBA seasons, the NHL seasons. Your network does fantastic job with original broadcasting shows bringing in shows that have been broadcasted in the past. Turner does a great job with everything. Maybe it's time. Turner, if you've put in all this money 
to be the official broadcaster for U.S. soccer, and you're still going to use Bleacher Report to broadcast these games, well, Turner, maybe it's time for you to please, and I'm being nice because you're doing a great job so far, please add some more money to the production, bring in more streams, do it every single match of every single round on your Bleacher Report football website pages. Because I think it's about time that everybody shows respect to the Open Cup. Not when, not when we get into the deeper rounds. Not when MLS comes in. When we get to the final round of qualifying for those amateur teams, as well as the first round proper of each and every edition of the U.S. Open Cup. It's time to get there. It's time to be there. And it's time to show that support. Because everyone in England supports their FA Cup. Everyone in Spain supports their Copa del Rey. Everyone in Italy supports their Copa America. Everyone in Germany supports the DKB Copa German Cup. We have to do the same for the U.S. Open Cup. You put Lamar Hunt's name on that trophy for a reason. Because of his dedication to the game. Not just American football, but for the game of football. There's a reason why you've honored this man. And you put his name significantly and, you know, celebrating the game because of Lamar Hunt. The Hunt family is a part of this game. They did it in Columbus, Dallas, Kansas City. Lamar Hunt has his name on that trophy once again, and it's time that everybody shows that name, that cup, the respect that it truly deserves. Got to be done now. It has to be done now. Let's go get it. Let us have that moment. And let us celebrate. Celebrate what this cup competition is supposed to be about. Celebrating the game of soccer and doing so brilliantly and we can go ahead and have some fun. Ladies and gentlemen, my next guest tonight, former player, now manager of Northern Colorado Hailstorm. They entered Widner Field in downtown Colorado Springs, and they pulled off an extra time 3-1 victory. The head coach, Eamon Zayed, joins me. Eamon, welcome to the show. Congratulations on your victory over the switchbacks going into the third round of the Open Cup. Daniel, how are you? Uh, thanks for having us on. 
and thank you for coming on. That was a hell of a match. I got to tell you, um, for your side in third division football in the United States, where you've got to face a tough nut, obviously in Union Omaha, uh, forward Madison, uh, one Knoxville, now Lexington SC, to take on a top side like Colorado Springs, that had to be probably one of the best matches you've ever had in Open Cup football ever since becoming a head coach. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you named obviously quite a few teams there in the SL League One that um, that are really, really competitive, really, really strong. Obviously, you had, you had Omi, Omaha Union reached the quarterfinal of the US Open Cup last year. Um, you had Tormenta. Um, they knocked out. Um, they knocked out ORGZ during the week as well. They had a nice run last year as well. Um, you know, there's, there's, a, there's other teams, Greenville, who've always been good over the last couple of years in our league, Madison, you named. Um, it's Charlotte Independence, who obviously got through to the next round as well. Um, it's, it's a strong league. It's really, really competitive. And it's, um, it's the perfect uh, environment to get you ready for, for any opposition. And, Obviously, going into um, Colorado Springs against the Switchbacks, it's obviously a step up in the level. Um, they're obviously a, a, a top team in the USL Championship. They're not just any team. They're, they're a team that are always near the top. They got to the conference finals last year against San Antonio. Um, so it was it was a tough, tough game. We knew that we were going to face a strong opposition, and we had to be at our best on the night to advance. And, um, I think overall, I think we deserved to win. I thought we uh, we started off really, really well, um, and uh, and I thought in the end um, we were probably the better team on the night. So obviously delighted to come away with the victory and um, qualify to the next round of the U.S. Open Cup. I've got to ask you this: you know, you've been through your battles in Open Cup playing uh, time in in your time as a player. I think you remember you with Indy Eleven. You've had memorable moments with them, but. You know, when it comes to this type of competition, what do you tell your players who have either been through it before, maybe diff- a little differently than you have, or those that are just getting into it for the first time? I, I love I love the cup competition. Before um, listen, before the game against the Switchbacks, we obviously had our our, our usual meeting, um, you know, in the hotel before we left um, to the stadium and. And obviously, I talked about cup competitions. For me, cup competitions, there's something romantic about it. They're special. Um, it's obviously a knockout competition, so you have to be at your best. Um, you know, so obviously, I talked about um, my feelings on the cup. Um, last year, we created some really, really good memories. Obviously, we beat the Switchbacks last year in our first ever game as a club. And then we went down to Real Salt Lake in front of 19,000 people. Um, and, and, and beat them um, a really tough MLS opposition um, which again just uh, creates memories and for me um, obviously having played the game and now coach, coaching the game and football is about creating memories and, and we create them in, in, in moments like these big cup, uh, cup competitions um, you know I also saw a quote during the week from Stephen Hogan um, the coach of Colorado Switchbacks and he, uh, he said that Hailstorm treat the game against the switchbacks like it's a cup final. Um, and he kind of said it in a kind of a condescending way, I, I felt, disrespectful way. Um, but, um, but he's damn right. It absolutely is a cup final. It's a cup competition. Every game's a cup, uh, a cup final. You have to treat it like that. If you don't, 
uh, well then obviously you're just getting knocked out and you have to be at your best. Uh, it's, it's literally win or go home. Um, so um, so look, it was a great memory that we created and it was one that, that, um, that again, we'll look back and, 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 and smile and hopefully we'll have a, a, good, a good game against the Rapids in the next round. No, absolutely, and that was fantastic to watch. I was watching you on this, your team, on this, your club on the stream, and, you know, to me, seeing you playing in Widener Field, and, I mean, that's a great home field advantage for the switchbacks right in the middle of downtown. Everyone just walks in and just goes on crazy over there to watch their team play. Um, we're behind in this one. Actually, you were uh, behind in this one. Uh, in the 82nd yeah. minute on a late goal by Drew Skundrich until Trevor Aman comes out of nowhere six minutes later and gives you that big equalizer to force extra time. Yeah, yeah, look, it was um, – I thought last year when we, when we beat the switchbacks last year, it was, it was very lucky and it was, just, it was just one of those – we had a lot of luck that night. Um, everything, you know, well, I would say everything went our way. We went down to 10 men, but um, – I felt the switchbacks were a better team on the night, um, but look, we, we, we were greedy and we were hungry and we pulled it off. I felt this game last Wednesday, um, I felt we were a better team. I felt that uh, in the first half we created a lot of moments, a lot of opportunities in, uh, in and around their, um, you know, their final third. Um, also, I, I think one, one of our crosses crept over the line, um, but obviously the camera angle um, with, with the referee, there's no way that they could have saw it, but the replay showed that it went over the line. Um, but the longer the game went on, the, the more I felt maybe, it was, maybe it's not going to be our night. Despite seeming like we had a better team on the night, I just didn't think it was going to be our night. And when Drew Skudrup scored the goal, they turned around and said, this is, this is it, it's just not going to be our night. But credit to the guys, they were extremely resilient. resilient. But as soon as that ball went, uh, the goal went in, uh, we just turned it around and we went attack after attack after attack. Trevor Mann had a, a an error miss a couple of minutes before his goal. Um, he went one on one with the goalkeeper and, and hit the post. And I thought that was going to be our chance gone. Um, but again, credit to him. Um, Arthur Rogers pulls off a fantastic cross and Trevor Mann, right place, right time, puts the ball in the back of the net. And I'll be honest, as soon as that ball went in, I felt uh, I felt it was going to be our night. Um, Colorado oh, that's fantastic! Like they, yeah, it looked like their head went down a little bit, and um, and I thought it was going to be our night. No, absolutely. And I was going to ask you this question anyway, because um, usually when I talk to these uh, managers that were, you know, leading all match long, and then all of a sudden here comes an equalizer out of nowhere, forces into extra time, but. As you just said, you know, you got your equalizer, and you're going into the extra time feeling good. I mean, what did you say to your players when you got to the end of regulation before the whistle blew to start extra time? Um, I didn't really have to say much because, obviously, as you just mentioned, the goal went in, I think, the 86, 87-minute equalizer, and, you know, it, it was obviously – it, it kind of – um, blew the wind out of the sails for the Colorado switchbacks. They thought it was game over within 90 minutes, and they didn't really want to play the extra 30 minutes. That's how it looked. Whereas we were full of energy, we were we were bursting to go again uh, um, in extra time. So obviously we just made a couple of tactical changes, um, um, you know. But I didn't really have to say much. We had Marky Hernandez, Donald Benamna, um they were flying. They were really, really um, flying in the game at, the, at that moment in time. 
Um, so I, I, I just felt that it was going to be our game, and honestly, it was just, listen, let's keep going, and we'll get obviously more chances, and it's just a matter of taking them. Absolutely, and once again, they were taken. Donald B. Namna uh, gives you the uh, go-ahead in the 95th, and then Mark Fernandez gets that final nail in the coffin in the 107th, and you're moving on to the next round to take on the local MLS Colorado State team in the Rapids. That's got to be a fun one for you, a third division side going after the top dog in MLS and the top club in the state of Colorado, heading over to uh, Commerce City. What's that feeling going to be like for your guys? It's extremely exciting. I mean, listen, um, you know, there's obviously a couple of jokes, um, a couple of memes, uh, fans and, and, and some staff talking about being the Kings of Colorado. This game is for the Kings of Colorado. Listen, I mean, we're playing against an MLS opposition, quality opposition in Colorado Rapids. Um, it's going to be a really, really, really tough game. Um, but it's obviously one that we're really excited for. I felt last year, um, I know we keep mentioning last year, but last year after we beat Real Salt Lake, we all watched the draw together in the, um, in the hotel in, uh, in Salt Lake. And um, we felt, we thought uh, there was a moment when they were pulling the names out of the hat and we thought we actually got the Colorado Rapids. That was what we wanted. And we were celebrating and little did we know that U.S. Open Cup had, um, had actually drawn the two home teams first. So, uh, so it wasn't us against the Rapids. We ended up playing Omaha. But, um, no, this is the draw we wanted. It's, you know, an hour down the road um, against, uh, obviously, the best team in the state. And, um, yeah, we're excited to go down. And, um, listen, we have a fighting chance. They're favorites. Ultimately, of course, they are. But uh, we have a fighting chance. And I know my players will absolutely not give up. And it will not be a game that Colorado Rapids will want to play when they're out there on the pitch. I want to talk about a little bit of your ownership group. Obviously, your your side plays at the Future Legends Complex. And that is, of course, former Minnesota Twins center fielder, baseball uh, Hall of Famer, Torrey Hunter. Um, What's that like to have him supporting what, you and the Hailstorm have done so far into, so far I would say a season and a quarter in the USL League One uh, uh, race. Yeah, look, it's massive. Tory Hunter got announced recently. Um, massive, massive name in the sport. Um, so that's, it, it's incredible to have somebody of his caliber and his name be attached to future legends and what we're trying to do. Um, you also have Ryan Spielberg, who's obviously a, a, a big, big name in Colorado. Uh, obviously, haven't played for the Rockies and does the analysis and the commentary work for, for the Rockies now. Um, so, look, there are two massive names in their sport, um, and it's fantastic to, to be involved in such a venture. Um, as soon as I got the job or I knew that there was possibility of getting the job, uh, it wasn't just the soccer team. Obviously, I'm, first and foremost, I'm obviously head coach and technical director of the soccer team, but I knew the plans, the wider plans for the, for the complex, obviously with the baseball team, um, and, and having a massive, um, the biggest, one of the biggest youth sports complexes in, in all of Colorado and uh, the state, um, and just to be a part of that and play my little bit of history, um, or my part in history um, within that club and organization is fantastic. It, it's great, and um, this is the early stages. We're in year two, um, I mean, the, the, the difference between this year and last year, we have a massive full-size 
uh, indoor dome that uh, has a full-size soccer pitch where we train day in, day out, which is a game changer for us considering the weather in Colorado. Um, there is multiple uh, basketball courts, volleyball courts, uh, pickleball courts indoors as well, um, which is unbelievable. Um, and they're just continuing to build and build and build. We'll have our home stadium up this year. Um, I think we're going to have a collegiate um, stadium that's going to host about 2,000, 2,500 people in May. Um, that's where we'll be kicking off our games. And then later on in the year, we'll have a full stadium being, um, being built and ready, which is, again, for Northern Colorado in general, and Colorado as a whole, um, it, it's, it's magnificent. And hopefully um, we, can, we can pull national tournaments, youth tournaments uh, into the area. Um, as I said, you can probably hear from my voice, I'm just excited to be a part of it and, uh, and, and, and play my part. Just keep on smiling. Just keep on uh, showing that uh, that beautiful uh, uh, positive feeling there, Amen. Because uh, obviously, hoping uh, the hailstorm can pull off another cup set, and I think it would be absolutely fantastic to watch your guys do a big, big moment, not just for yourselves, of course, but for the area where you are in northern Colorado. Thank you so much for your time. I truly appreciate you coming on. Congratulations. Moving on to the third round of the U.S. Open Cup. Hope to have you back on again soon, and have a good night, sir. Daniel, thank you very much. Good night, and we'll speak soon. Absolutely. Speak to you soon. Head coach of Northern Colorado Hillstorm, that is Eamon Zayed, as they get a big victory in extra time against Colorado Springs switchbacks. Three goals to one, and that, my friends, is why we love the Open Cup. And now, even though there was no stream, thank God we have someone who was at Heart Health Heart, excuse me, Heart Health Park in the capital city of the state of California from Area Sportsnet. Fabian Rankle joining me, who normally does San Jose Earthquakes jobs does this match for the Open Cup, and boy, he had a front row seat. Fabian, welcome back. Uh, listen, I'm not going to say anything anymore. What the hell happened in Sacramento? Yeah, hey, thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure to be on. And, yeah, when I'm usually on, it's usually about the San Jose Earthquakes or something in the Bay Area. But uh, I had the you know, very lucky opportunity to go up to Sacramento that day I uh, was stuck in traffic for, for about three hours getting up there, but you know what? It was well worth the, the wait. Uh, what a beautiful game. Uh, the whole stadium was rocking. I would even say they had more fans on a Wednesday night than the Quakes would have on a Wednesday night for a U.S. Open Cup game. So they really respect that tournament out there in Sacramento, and it was evident during the game. I mean, goals galore. It was such a good time. It was a nine-goal thriller. The guys who from Crossfire Premier, they played a great, great, phenomenal match. But, again, you're going up against a U.S. Open Cup legend now, which is Sacramento Republic. Absolutely. And, you know, um, for the majority of that match, because we're all keeping tabs on it, you know, two goals within maybe, what, the first two to four minutes of that first half, um, between yeah. the 10th and 13th minutes, nothing after Exactly. And we're – yeah. Yeah, it was, was something crazy. that you know, it was it was something that was that you know, Crossfire Premier is a team where maybe a lot of the fans in the in the building under I would say underappreciated a little bit or maybe they 
didn't expect the type of talent on that team, but a lot of those players, they came from the University of Washington, uh, the Huskies, so they, they, they knew each other a lot. And the way they were playing was those center backs, they were just throwing that ball up, and, and the striker was pacey. He was just causing the center backs of the Republic problems the whole game. Um, a lot of those guys played on Tacoma Defiance or, at the time, Seattle Sounders too. So it was a very, very talented squad. I think um, a lot of Sacramento fans and a lot of people in Sacramento weren't expecting that type of fight, but it was something it – hey, it was probably the matchup of the season or the match of the C- or U.S. Open Cup so far. No, it really, really was. And when it got closer – on the match clock, maybe like, I don't know, 20 minutes remaining in regulation time. Did you have that sense of dread from the Sacramento fans because they're thinking to themselves, oh, my God, I mean, we could be one and done in 2023? Yeah, honestly, even me, even that I was at the stadium, I didn't feel any sort of dread. Maybe it's because I'm not too, you know, used to that atmosphere, but – Everybody in that stadium, in my eyes, thought they were still in it, even down two goals with 30 minutes left. So I think that that stadium, that fan base, had some sort of bravado, and they understood, hey, this is our tournament. Even if, if we have our back up against the wall, we're still not out of it, and that was evident. I mean, the goals started flying in in bunches. Crossfire Premier scored a goal that I was just like, Gosh, if that was in the MLS, it would be on a top ten play for ESPN. It was insane. So again, both teams found a way to get into the back of the net multiple times. There was some sort of, I don't know, there was some sort of magic in the air where the strikers were shooting and everybody was making crazy goals. But it was it was a fun time out in Sacramento. It really was. And then of course Zico Lewis, first of two in the 81st minute. And then four minutes later, Russell Cerrone makes it 2-2, forces extra time, and we had fireworks in extra time. What was that like for you, a five-goal barrage? Yeah, I was looking at my buddy. Uh, He's a a writer out there in Sacramento, and he usually writes about the Republic. And I looked at him and was like, man, there's going to be more goals from both sides. And and there was that feeling there. There was something where it was like, man, this is going to be a lot. And the name that you said there, Zico Lewis, is a guy who, you know, he was on the Red Bulls roster. He he played for New York Red Bulls, too. And a lot of guys, you know, maybe he didn't get the best opportunity for the Red Bulls. And, and this Sacramento side is just loaded with talent. And, and this American soccer pyramid, there is a lot more talent in these lower leagues nowadays. And, and I saw that firsthand. Everybody is noticing that in Sacramento. And, and at the end of the day, man, I thought – you know, it's a Wednesday. There's about six or 7,000 people here almost. They should be in MLS, but that's for another argument, you know. No, I agree. They should be in MLS. But like you said, look, that, that's, that's another argument for another time. So, But once again, I mean, they were just unbelievable. They both get their goals in extra time uh, in between, of course. You know, we're sitting here. You're at the game. You're actually watching it in front of you. Everywhere else, including myself, it's, there's no stream. We're keeping tabs through Twitter accounts, uh, yeah. Fot Mob, you know, um, Fot Mod. You know, we're keeping track that way, and we're all going crazy. We're like, what in the hell is 
going on over there? And it was just unreal. And then, of course, uh, Johnny Fenwick finally caps it off in the 113th minute after Richard Amon uh, gets his second of the night to make it 4-4. Yeah, it was was something that I I was tasked to write a – a match recap of the match. And, you know, I had to probably write a match recap maybe about 10 times that night because it kept on switching. The goals kept on going in for both teams. So I had to choose a player of the match almost, I want to say, about eight different times. And it was something that, man, I, I, you know, it's an experience a little bit surreal looking back at it because I was just in work mode and I was like, you know what, there's a lot of goals in this, in this match I'm just thinking, how am I going to fit it all into this recap? But, yeah, it was a great time. Everybody in Sacramento got a really good treat, especially not realizing that, you know, this might be our last opportunity, but there was never that feeling in the stadium. People were ready. They were excited. And now, you know, they're in the next round, and, and they can still make that great cup run again. So the U.S. Open Cup is beautiful for, is beautiful for that for those moments, right? I mean, everybody – knows that there's pockets of, you know, people that are interested in soccer that deserve their shot at it. And just like in England with the FA Cup, you get these great moments and beautiful upsets when it comes to their only chance at playing against these other clubs. And it was evident that night Crossfire Premier played a heck of a match against a, you know, like I said earlier, a legend in the U.S. Open Cup world now. I mean, there's some – they're a team that nobody wants to play in this tournament nowadays. That's for sure. Yep. And you know what? Uh, I, I give credit to all those fans uh, in Sacramento who never, ever thought uh, their club was going to be one and done. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I had my doubts. I thought they were going to be one and done. I thought it was going to be over. Boy, was I wrong. I think everyone outside of Sacramento was wrong to think that that match is done and dusted, and my goodness, what an amazing, amazing match that was that everyone just couldn't believe what was going on. After the match, what did Mark Briggs say to the media uh, uh, after the whole thing ended the way it did? Yeah, unfortunately, I I didn't, because I was coming back from the Bay Area, I didn't have the chance because the game went so late to go and, and sit down and listen to that match recap, but I'm going to tell you this, that whole team put in a lot of their starters at that, I want to say about the 60th minute, so they never had a doubt that they were out of it because they were they were playing the younger guys. They were playing the guys who were getting their first professional minutes. So it was something where Sacramento just never thought they were out of it, and I can guarantee you that uh, that the press conference had some sort of bravado like that, or they thought that they were going to be in it the whole time. Wow. That's amazing. Did not know that was uh, the situation uh, that the majority of the roster for that match was uh, from their academy players. That's that's big. That's Well, actually, San Antonio just did the same thing, and they beat Club De Leon, who was definitely um, unfortunately – cup tied with the majority of their players that they could only muster 11, 12 players for the roster for that game. It was, it's, that's amazing. Unbelievable what we're seeing so far. What have you seen so far? I mean, we all know what LA Galaxy and LAFC are doing, but, you know, from the Bay Area 
up to Northern California, in your mind, has the player development improved from what you've seen? Yeah. Hey, look, I think I think the player development side in Northern California is. I'm not. I'm, you know, this might be a crazy take, but I think they rival any other area in in the country. Um, I think there's full of talent out here. There's a lot of dual nationals that live in the area. So, again, for Mexico and the United States, it's just a big, big, giant talent pool when it comes to soccer. Um, I know for the Quake side, they tap into this pool all the time, and, and they're actually just recently tapping into it again. I mean, there's Chance Cowell, who is the brother of Cade Cowell, you know, big San Jose Earthquakes player, that he plays for the Sacramento Republic Academy, but now it looks like he might be playing for the San Jose Earthquake Academy because he was a, um, a how do I say this, a showcase player at the GA Cup for the Earthquakes. So it was something that a lot of teams get picked off because there's just so much talent, and this is not the first time the Earthquakes have looked over at that those academies. They've done it with Benji Kakanovich before, with Cade Cowell as well. So, again, this, this talent area is, is – Failed, I want to say, and especially because Northern California, it's just it. Unfortunately, they don't have any representation at the you know highest level. The earthquakes reap the benefits of it. I want to say. So let me keep you on your Sacramento Republic hat for just a moment because their next opponent mm-hmm. is going to be once again at Heart Health Park uh, against the Oakland Roots. What have you seen from Oakland? What do you think they're going to do against Sacramento? Do you think Sacramento um, learned a lesson here? Or do you think that just got, they just got to feel the confidence they're going to be able to handle what Oakland's going to throw at them? Yeah, Oakland's had a weird start to the season due to them not being able to play matches in their home stadium. Uh, Oakland is actually playing matches at a local, not a community college, but a, a local state university. So they they haven't had a true energetic kind of display of fans because they just haven't been in their own stadium. Um, this Oakland Roots side actually poached a lot of talent from the San Jose Earthquakes to MLS Next Pro Team. So there's a lot of guys that are, I would say, battle-tested already that have come into that Oakland Roots side, as well as a lot of their main players from last year coming back. But um, I think Oakland Roots are in for a, a tall task again. I don't want to be any team, even an MLS team going into Sacramento, playing them on a Wednesday night with that type of fan base there, especially now with another round under their belt. They're going to have even more fans out there. I mean, let me tell you this. When I was out there for the San Jose Earthquakes match versus Sacramento for the U.S. Open Cup match, that supporter section they have there in Sacramento looked very, very daunting. Um, Again, they have, I want to say about, Three, it seems like about three rows, or not rows, but sections of just supporters' side at that stadium where you have to go up against, I don't even know, maybe about 4,000 fans on, behind the goal and just, you know, yelling at you, jumping, rocking. Stadium gets really fun, and especially now with this tournament, I wouldn't want to play them at all. Um, I think Oakland Roots are going to have a lot to do, and they're going to go into a I mean, they're going straight into the belly of the beast, and this is this might be a tall task for Oakland. 
Yeah, very true. Now I want to get your earthquakes hat on because um, if you don't mind, a little preview here because we know Monterey Bay defeated Central Valley Fuego in their second round matchup in the Open Cup and they'll be hosting the earthquakes over at uh, Cardinal Stadium in Seaside, California for the earthquakes. This is their first match involving themselves in the Open Cup for 2023. What do you think they're going to do? Do you think uh, they have an opportunity to advance, or do you think Monterey Bay is going to give them a game? Yeah, hey, look, they had a preseason match together before. Um, these organizations are really friendly with each other due to the Monterey Bay SC side being run by Frank Gallup and Luchin Gonzalez and Frank having a great, you know, a great relationship with each other. So, this situation is I think the Quakes will take care of business. I think um, even the Quakes 2 team looks really good when Oseni Buddha is on that team, Will Richmond, a lot of those guys. Those guys. I think you, you see the return of Nico Sekiris, a player that a lot of fans in the United States are excited to see, um, a young United States men's international that can possibly you know be on the U20 team. So I think this earthquake squad is really deep when we're looking at fringe MLS players. I think I truly do think even the Quakes 2 squad is one of the best in in the country when it, you're looking at MLS Next Pro. So I think the Quakes take care of business due to them being able to play their subs and their subs being very good. Possibly their first team doesn't, you know, really line up well with the likes of the LAFCs of the world. Uh, They're doing not too bad. They're still a playoff team at the moment, but I still think they have a very deep, deep roster for that Quakes 2 and their kind of bench players for the Quakes 1 team. So I think it's going to be too much for Monterey. Monterey does have a good team. They do have a good, you know, supporter side. They have a lot of supporters out there in Cardinal Stadium, but there's a lot of Quakes fans that live in that area nowadays as well. And, I think the Quakes are looking at it like, hey, you know what? We're not going to Sacramento. We're getting basically another home game doing, due to being only an hour away from San Jose and a lot of San Jose Earthquake fans not living in that area. So, Absolutely. Well, listen, Fabian, thank you again for joining me tonight. Hope to have you back on again soon. And uh, as always, bang up job. Keep on going, sir, and thank you for your time. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate all the time. And, uh, Enjoy the next round of the U.S. Open Cup. It's a beautiful tournament. Yes, it is. Fabian Rankle, Area Sportsnet, covering not only the San Jose Earthquakes, but all of California sports from the Bay Area all the way up to Northern California. And uh, final interview for tonight. Uh, my guest cannot come on live tonight, so we recorded this interview. Jonathan Como, OaklandRootsBlog.com, as Oakland Roots defeats El Farolito by a final of three goals to one. Daniel Feuerstein here. Welcome back to the U.S. Open Cup Round 2 Review Show. Joining me right now, he covers the Oakland Roots uh, for his own page. This is Jonathan Como joining me to cover the Oakland Roots. Jonathan, big win for Oakland Roots in their Open Cup match, and I understand it. It's their first win in two attempts in the U.S. Open Cup. Exactly. Yes, they got a pretty bad matchup in 2022. They went all the way across the country to Greenville Triumph, who was a solid League One side, and they brought like a B squad 
and it showed on the field. This time around, they played a, a you know, not as a heralded um, team around the country, just a local mm-hmm. team called El, El Ferralito. They are a, a longtime club from San Francisco, really small. Uh, but it, w- it was a good matchup for them, you know, obvious 3-1 win, able to get a lot of guys tied. So first win in U.S. Open Cup history and hopefully more. They have a tough matchup coming ahead. No, they really, really do. But I got to say, though, I understand that the El Ferralito uh, taco place, the food's unbelievable. So I heard a couple of fans headed over to the Bay Area and uh, got themselves some victory tacos at El Ferralito. Uh, good burritos too. I think that's what they're they're most known for is their burritos. <laughs> their their uh, supporters group is actually called Burrito Brava. So go figure. Exactly, but why not? Why not have a little fun with it? Um, boy, I have to tell you, Oakland really came to play in this one. They really came out to the pitch, and they banged in three goals within a ten to. 13, 14 minute span. Just unbelievable what Oakland was able to do against El Farolito in that opening half. Yeah, exactly. You know, they came out hot. Uh, everything was clicking. It kind of tapered off as the match went on, but I think you're happy just to, to walk out of this thing with no injuries and you got guys who are new onto the roster, uh, international signing tour might be expected starters later on uh, to just get them minutes in their really first full look uh, in an Oakland uniform. No, absolutely. Um, Jonathan Rodriguez, great opening goal from him in the 11th minute. I think that one just came out of nowhere and how he was able to bang that home from such a good uh, distance. Yeah, it was a, it was a set piece. Nice ball in from Ryan Hur. And Johnny was making the the near post run and just kind of flicked it in with his head. Um, and, and he's just just had such a great year this year. Uh, right now, that goal in that game was his third of the season um, in combined competitions, which makes him the the team leader in goals, uh, which is great because he's actually the longest tenured player on the roster, I believe. Uh, maybe the backup goalkeeper, Taylor Bailey, has only been around longer. But Johnny's been there since he was uh, fresh out of college out of CSU Northridge, I believe. I might have got that wrong. Um, but he's, you know, it's a big year for him. Uh, so for him to produce in these moments, in that moment where he's called upon, I mean, it's really big for him. And, and, and the coaches admitted that he's already giving him tough decisions to make. No, that's fantastic to hear. And uh, how about a brace from Wolfgang Prentice? Obviously, um, he is going to be out on loan now with forward Madison in USL League One. But still, though, he cannot take away a two-goal game performance from Wolfgang. How was able to convert those chances? I think the third one was really a good one. I think it was right there for the rebound, and he poked it home. Yeah, it was... Um just a great performance from him. His first goals as an Oakland Roots player, the first one was just a nice move around the defender, and then the second one was a nice ball in from Johnny Rodriguez, who we just mentioned, um, and it was like it was a tap-in, pretty much, just a, a right-footed volley right in front of the goalkeeper uh, and, and sent it in. 
So, yeah, he, as we just mentioned, he was blown out this morning. Um, you know, from my understanding, he was pretty much buried at, at, in the depth chart at wing back and then at right winger. Um, I want to say he was number three maybe at both positions. So he goes back to League One. Last season he was at Northern Colorado Hailstorm. And, and, yeah, he's going to a, a good size, Ford Madison. they got great jerseys, <laughs> very known about. So it's a good opportunity for him to keep getting those minutes, come back a little more sharper in 2024 because, you know, it, it, right now it was looking like he, he wasn't going to get a lot of time. So you want to get guys who have potential uh, minutes on the field, get them action, get them going. So what you're saying is Wolfgang will now be a very good uh... – uh, Flamingo, huh? Oh, yeah. I, th- I think uh, Ford Madison's getting a good one. Um, I think we'll get a goal scorer. He played in the 10 role for Northern Colorado, but up over here he played right back and uh, right wing, so just a kind of a systematic thing. Noah Delgado also mentioned him as someone who can play in the midfield, so um, Ford Madison's going to get a guy that can really plug in anywhere they want and see productivity out of there. Yeah, very true. Um, thought El Farolito was going to pull one back. Penalty called uh, against Oakland, and Richard Delgado of El Farolito converted the penalty in the first half stoppage time to make it 3-1. But other than that, nothing really much to threaten. But I will ask you this. I mean, I'm not saying, um, you know, not to take your foot off the gas pedal, but, you know... I, I think you have to be concerned with some of the calls against Oakland where, you, you know, Joseph Nane, Neville, Hackshaw, Kevin Wright got booked for, I mean, more aggressive than normal on fouls. Um, I mean, you know, I, I mean, I didn't think they were going to lose the game, but if you're going to put yourself down to 10 men and give El Ferrelisio an opportunity to get back into this game, you know, I mean, that's a danger that I thought, you know, if you're an Oakland's Roots supporter, what the heck is going on out there? Yeah, I think a lot of people felt that same way too, especially in the second half. They only had like a few shots on, uh, not shots on target, shots that sailed high or wide. Wolfgang actually had one more opportunity later on in the second half when he moved to right wing, couldn't have had a hat trick, but it, it was pushed wide. But he, exactly, the the match really turned chippy. You know, you, you're going up against a team that really has had nothing to lose, and they're they're going to make you remember them, you know, so to speak. So it got a lot more chippy than I think uh, people, especially Roots fans, would have liked. It got close. Um, apparently, so had some positive moments in the second half. Uh, I mean. They they had a couple shots, but it wasn't overtly challenging. But still, it was. You want to see a complete performance rather than like, oh, you know, we we can handle these guys. We're going to, you know, take the gas pedal off a little bit. It, it really did seem like the gas pedal got taken off um, a little bit, as, especially as the as the match wore on. So, I mean, that that was concerning. I mean, overall though, I think you're just happy. <laughs> come out of this healthy, um, have a get a good look at the players you have available because that's really what, what it was. It was really like a first audition for a lot of these guys. 
Mm -hmm. No, very true. And of course, uh, didn't really matter anyway. I mean, the score was well in hand. Jimmy, Jimmy Arias of Velferolito got second yellow card in the eighth, third minute, sent off, down to 10 men. I mean, it really was really, you know, nothing much to do on that. You know, Oakland was going to move forward and uh, right now, everything looks to be good. You know, after everything that happened last year with the head coaching situation uh, with Oakland during the season, um, what have you seen so far from your current head coach that uh, everything seems like it's going to work out well? I mean, I think uh, this team is playing probably the best they've been since coming into the USL Championship. I mean, last year, I think at this point, you know, it was it was all question marks. They didn't win a game until the, the seventh game of the season. They started 0-3-3. Um, so to, to relate that back to this year, it, they're looking worlds better, so much better. Um, I think in regards to Noah, I, I really believe he is a better tactician than what Juan Guerra was while he was with Oakland. That being said, you know, Guerra is a, uh, this is just his second year as a coach. There's obviously going to be adjustments that he learns as as his career grows. Uh, while Noah, um, he, he spent time internationally with El Salvador uh, under Hugo Perez, and, and you're seeing his ability as a tactician, especially in the, the last stretch um, towards the playoffs last season where he was able to, you know, going into those last games, Roots had a clear identity to where they like to hold the ball, create possession. Um, and sometimes it was toothless. You know, they, they would hold the ball sometimes like 70% under Guerra, and, and there wasn't a lot of uh, clear looks. This time around, they're much more comfortable allowing the other team to have the ball because we ha- we know we have the speed to hit these guys on the counterattack and really kill the game. And that and that came in um, to factor in this last game over Indy 11 where the last goal was a counterattack goal uh, by Eduardo Rito. So I think what Noah is showing is he, he's a real coach. You know, he knows how to make these plans. He's always studying how to take advantage of the other teams and how that relates to the players he has available where I think Juan was more so, I'm going to make my system work with who I have and we'll just figure it out as we go. Um, But I I think there's a lot of optimism about Noah right now. I think everybody believes in him. And and it's a great start. You can't really argue with the results right now. So uh, hopefully it continues. They have a big stretch uh, coming up over the next month, really. That's very great to hear. Now your third-round opponent will be... The finalists of last year in Sacramento Republic, of course, a rival uh, for Oakland and USL Championship. And um, do you feel you might have advantage because they had a scare in the last round against Crossfire Premier in the NPSL where they were down 2-0 for the entirety of the regulation, found a way to come back to make it 2-2, had an amazing five-goal battle between them and Crossfire, and they had to edge out Crossfire 5-4. Do you feel you're on advantage right now with Sacramento that they just barely avoided the one-and-done in round two? Oh, yeah. I mean, starting off, what a game to not have televised. I mean, I think everybody was scrolling online just to get updates on minute-to-minute what was happening. Like, that's the 
magic of the Open Cup. I can't believe they didn't have it uh, aired. But that being said, you know, it's an interesting run-in. You know that back how they did last season, they want to do well in this tournament. Um, but both teams, if you look at the schedule, both teams have like three games in six days. So it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see what that squad rotation is, who prioritizes what, because it, if Sacramento runs out a similar lineup with a lot of prospects, you know I might give the edge to Root because I think from top to bottom this team has a uh, it's comfortable playing guys who would be considered first team or second team. I think the second team with this year's club is much improved than any other years. I think the depth on Oakland Leafs is, is much improved than at any point. There's veterans coming off the bench. There's guys with international uh, international time, like Brian Tamakis, who, who hasn't made a start yet. So, uh, start in the USL Championship, that is. So, it, it'll be interesting to see what lineup each team has in the in the game prior to the U.S. Open Cup, which is just a few days before Roots go all the way to the East Coast to play Loudoun. So it'll be interesting to see who Roots play versus them and then who comes back versus Sacramento. And then you have another game three days later. So it's hard to say, you know, do you prioritize the league? Do you prioritize the Open Cup? Um, so it's, I, I want to say Roots will have an edge, but I want to see – who Sacramento is starting in the in the week coming up. Absolutely, and we'll uh, be waiting with bated breath on that one. Hopefully we'll get a stream for that one. That match will be on Wednesday, April 26th. Jonathan Como covering the Oakland Roots for his website. Jonathan, thank you for your time. As always, good luck on the Open Cup in uh, end of April, and uh, hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you, thank you. Always glad to come on. You know, check us out, www.oaklandrootsblog.com, where you've got, you know, uh, transfer news, rumors, and then, of course, your game write-ups and game previews. So uh, all the content you could possibly think of, we also have a podcast. So uh, whenever you want Oakland Roots stuff, we're the, we're the guys to check out. And once again, that's Jonathan Como for oaklandrootsblog.com. As, uh, once again, Oakland Roots defeating El Farolito three goals to one as they advance to the next round of the U.S. Open Cup. Here is your third round schedule for the U.S. Open Cup on Tuesday, April the 25th and Wednesday, April the 26th. First for the 25th on Tuesday, it is Pittsburgh Riverhounds hosting Maryland Bobcats at Highmark Stadium in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. That will be on the Bleach Report football YouTube page. Charleston Battery hosting Charlotte Independence at Patriots Point Soccer Stadium in Mount Pleasant, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. New England Revolution hosting Hartford Athletic at Gillette Stadium, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Charlotte FC hosting South Georgia Tormenta uh, at the Mecklenburg County Sports in Matthews, North Carolina. Uh, Detroit City FC hosts Minnesota United FC at Keyworth Stadium in Hamtrak, Michigan. Bleach Report Football. YouTube page, St. Louis City SC hosting Union Omaha 
at City Park, St. Louis, Missouri, 8 p.m. Eastern. Also on the Bleacher Report football YouTube page, Sporting Kansas City hosting Tulsa, Tulsa Athletic uh, at the Children's Mercy Park in Kansas City, Kansas. And that will also be uh, at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And Monterey Bay hosting San Jose Earthquakes for the nightcap at 10 p.m. Eastern Time at Cardinal Stadium at Seaside, California. That will also be uh, on the Bleacher Report YouTube page for Bleacher Report Football YouTube page. On Wednesday, April the 26th, Loudoun United hosting Flower City Union at Segura Field in Leesburg, Virginia at 7 Eastern. FC Cincinnati hosting Louisville City FC. That, that is the rematch and the rivalry that you know you've missed during those USL Championship days. That'll be at TQL Stadium in Cincinnati, Ohio at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. That'll be on the Bleacher Report football YouTube page. Atlanta United hosting Memphis 901 FC at the 5th Third Bank Stadium in Kennesaw, Georgia at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, also on the Bleacher Report football YouTube page. Miami FC hosting Inter-Miami at FIU Stadium at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. D.C. United hosting Richmond Kickers at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time at Audi Field. Tampa Bay Rowdies hosting Houston Dynamo at Al Lang Stadium at St. Petersburg, Florida. Columbus Crew Stadium, excuse me, Columbus Crew hosting Indy 11 at Lower.com Field in Columbus, Ohio at 8 o'clock. Birmingham Legion hosting Chattanooga FC at the Protective Stadium in downtown Birmingham, Alabama. Chicago Fire will host either Forward Madison FC or Chicago House AC at SeatGeek Stadium in Bridgeview, Illinois, and that will be the Peter Wilt Bowl number one. Or should I say the Peter Wilt Bowl number two. Nashville SC hosting San Antonio FC at the Geodis Park in Nashville, Tennessee at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on the Bleach Report football YouTube page. Colorado Rapids hosting Northern Colorado Hailstorm at Dick's Sporting Goods Park, 9 o'clock Eastern. New Mexico United hosting Phoenix Rising at Isotopes Park in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And Sacramento Republic hosting Oakland Roots at the Heart Health Park in Sacramento, California at 10 o'clock Eastern. Seattle Sounders hosting San Diego Loyal at Starfire Sports Complex in Tukwila, Washington. That will be on the Bleach Report football YouTube page. Las Vegas Lights hosting Real Salt Lake at Cashman Field, Las Vegas, Nevada, 10 p.m. Eastern Time. And finally, Portland Timbers hosting Orange County SC at Providence Park in Portland, Oregon, 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Now, if there will be other streams from the other teams hosting these games, stay on the U.S. Open Cup page here on U.S. Soccer's website, ussoccer.com. Click the Open Cup logo. Go to the Schedule tab and check to see if there will be other streams on the broadcast section. And we will see what will happen. We'll try to give you updates as well. I want to thank my guests tonight. Alex Kao, Maryland Bobcats. Katie Goodman, television analyst for San Antonio FC. Eamon Zayed of the Northern Colorado Hailstorm. Fabian Rankel of Area Sports Net covering the Sacramento Republic Open Cup match. And Jonathan Cuomo, Oakland Roots blog writer. 
My name is Daniel Feuerstein. Join me on Thursday night with my guests, Carter Krishnire and Robert Hay, as we now delve into the report between the Burhalters and the Reynas. And then on Friday, second leg in the quarterfinals review show of the 2023 CONCACAF Champions League. Thank you for listening to me tonight. And as always, please enjoy your football. Thank you. Take care so long. And bye-bye for now. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.